This is Sick and Wrong, America's number one source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. And I'm Lance Wackerly. What's up there, Wackerly? We're kind of chipper today. The show's a day late. And, I know. Um, it's my fault. I think uh, I, did put a, I did put a posting onto the website so people would know, so anybody who's gone there realizes. But you uh, decided to go to the San Francisco North Beach Jazz Fest yesterday, huh? I didn't know you are such a huge fan of jazz. Wackerly, you do know I'm an intellectual. <laughs> I'm an enlightened individual. Yeah, you're you kind know? of a bohemian. I, I'm not some heathen, you know. I can appreciate music in its its most artistic form. Now, okay, so what happened yesterday? As I was planning to do the podcast at eight o'clock, you were busy with your lady. If 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 you didn't if you didn't hang out with your woman, and we could have done it at three, it would have been fine. I would have gone to the jazz fest. I would have been sober. And I would have been able to do the podcast. But you didn't call me till eight, and so meanwhile, I'm at home, not doing anything. Our buddy Scott calls me and was like, "Hey." going down to north beach and i was like all right it's like i'll go grab a couple beers you know why not sunday afternoon so i go over to north beach and as as it so happens the north beach jazz festival is going on and, oh it was just a coincidence and yeah i didn't a even happy know, coincidence that it, you're such a huge jazz fan it worked out well <laughs> because you know it, it it appeals to my jazz taste are you more into uh like kenny g the soft soothing sounds of a saxophone or are you into like these scat renditions of like the Manhattan transfer. Well, I do like scat, but <laughs> not that kind of scat. <laughs> the t- this the t- kind of scat. Simon's at the jazz fest. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of scat. No, I'm I'm more into the jazz singer. Yeah, I'm more into the jazz singers. Like uh, what's that guy's name? Neil married Diamond. To a, married to Annette Benning. No, he did the movie The Jazz Singer, whatever his name I is. I don't know. I, I don't know. But you, you know what, though? <laughs> I'm retarded. So we go over to North Beach for this jazz festival. It's in that park kind of near the area where you oh, used I to live. Oh, I know where it is. <laughs> and I must say, I hate jazz. <laughs> it's it's got to be the most god-awful sound there is. And especially, like, okay, I can appreciate Miles Davis or John Coltrane <laughs> or something like that, like older jazz, but modern, like contemporary jazz is unlistenable it, it was awful and it, not only is it awful festivals in san francisco are unbearable like you have just these douches dancing around wearing their colorful tie-dye it's in the middle of the day you got to get like a sticker and a stamp and like a band wristband to go get beer in the beer garden yeah and then it's like you know eight why bucks that is. for a bud light no you know why that is because they used to have festivals where you no could, mgd there used to be festivals where you could just drink right out in public but now Real estate is so expensive that everybody who lives in those neighborhoods are these like stuffy rich people from the Midwest, and uh, you know they they don't want a bunch of drunken hooligans running around their neighborhood for all day all Sunday. I don't know. And North Beach is just such an asinine neighborhood. I I hate uh, North Beach. There's way worse neighborhoods in North Beach. Dude, I don't know. I'd rather go to like the Hate Street Festival than any festival in North no Beach. No way. No way. I I don't know. What? No way. To make a long story short. We ended up getting kind of drunk. I was hanging out with Scott and his buddy, and uh, we went to a tourist bar called Vesuvio. Have you ever been there? No, it's because it's Columbus. a tourist bar. Maybe yeah. that's why you hate North Beach so much. Yeah, but there's lots of hot bars. tourist chicks, though, that hang out at those bars. Not 
not that I was in any condition to talk to any, because we he just started buying shots of uh, Casadores tequila. I was wasted. Yeah. By the time you called me at eight, I could barely stand. <laughs> you could barely yeah. talk on the phone. I'll tell you that. Dude, I was wasted. <laughs> I fell down the stairs like two times, and then yeah, and then there was like a poetry reading going on in the alley right next to this place. Yeah, that's the other problem with Vesuvio is it's the quote-unquote Jack Kerouac bar. So you get all these douchebags that are, you know, like sophomores in college that just read on the road going there thinking they're going to be the next quote-unquote Jack Kerouac. But you know what's a good thing to do if you ever go to a poetry reading? Is uh, get really wasted and start screaming, show us your tits. <laughs> they love that. What about, they love what that. about play Freebird? <laughs> I should have done that. I, I just kept yelling, Show us your tits. <laughs> was like, it a big fat dude? <laughs> no, <laughs> With it was a beret? Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a chick. She kind of looked like Ginsburg, though. She probably had hairy nipples, Just big, dude. hairy bush. <laughs> yeah, I, that's yeah, not I don't know. cool. So, yeah, I ended up getting wasted, and that's why the podcast is a day late. You can blame me for this one. The <laughs> fault lies love of in, jazz music. Yeah, the fault lies entirely with, with me. But one thing I must say for sure, it's a good thing that we didn't get busted smoking weed. Because we were smoking weed, and I don't usually even smoke weed, only when I'm really drunk, and only that's why... You, only when you're listening to jazz music in the park. And poetry. That's when I you feel like I need to smoke a little weed to get into Expand it. Expand you your know? mind a little bit. But dude, we were smoking weed right on Columbus, like yeah. right, right on Broadway, and... It's amazing that we didn't actually get busted. Because usually there's a lot of cops at those festivals. Dude, there's cops all over North Beach because that's where all the strip clubs are. That's why they all dress in the, uh, that uniform, though, so you, when you're smoking weed, you can see them coming, <laughs> not just like some random passerby that, you know, collars you. Yeah, but when you're so high and drunk at that point, <laughs> I would have been like, hey, what's up, man? Blow Turn on the party lights. Let's hang out. <laughs> Exhale a big cloud right into his face. Yeah, it wouldn't work well, but... Yeah. Had I known about the guy who runs that website, NeverGetBusted.com, it would have helped me out. I've never yesterday. heard of it. Not that I got busted, but it would have been nice to know more information about weed. NeverGetBusted.com? Yeah. Have you, have you heard about this guy? No, I haven't. I read something about it. That's kind of why I kind of thought it'd be nice to talk about him on the show. So apparently this dude was a cop in Texas. His name's Barry Cooper. And... uh he did like an eight-year stint as a cop. He's a really successful narcotics agent um, for like some police department in Texas. He made actually over 800 drug-related arrests and pounded more than 50 vehicles. Pretty much he was working for the wrong side. Yeah, what a dick. <laughs> yeah, well, he all of a sudden, I guess, uh, learned the error of his ways. I don't know, saw the light. Oh, yeah. And now he's a marijuana advocate. I don't know if he just became a pothead all of a sudden. It's like he was just like, you know, this like military right wing cop and he smokes a joint and he's all of a sudden like hippie. You know, I'm going to be a pot. I'm going to work for normal, be a pot's right advocate. But anyway, he uh, put out this DVD pretty much disclosing all the secrets of the trade, like what policemen are trained to, you know, the signs, the telltale signs that policemen are trained to to see when they uh, pull you over. And so he put out this uh, this DVD. It's called Never Get Busted. So you can go to his website, NeverGetBusted.com. I got a little clip that uh, plays on his uh, website, which is kind of funny. Because right. if you listen to this guy's voice, he sounds like a total hick. Let's I, check I'm it almost, out. Seriously, I, I have qualms about taking advice from this guy because of his voice. <laughs> Does but he here, live in the hills like a hillbilly? I don't know. It's, it's, it's pure deliverance. All right. Listen to this guy. If you're one of the 750,000 American citizens arrested last year for marijuana possession, or if you're one of the 42% of Americans who tried marijuana last year, 
or if you're one of the millions of American citizens whose life was drastically affected by a loved one's marijuana arrest, or even if you're just an American citizen that's concerned about our downward spiraling criminal justice system, then allow me, Barry Cooper, to come into your living room and teach you with my one-of-a-kind DVD that has recently received world attention. In my DVD, I'm going to teach you exactly how a narcotic detector dog is trained, and I'm going to expose how unscrupulous police officers often make their drug detector dogs false alert. I'm also going to answer that age-old question, do coffee grounds really work? I'm going to teach you how the police target certain citizens for arrest better known as profiling. You're going to get an inside glance into the mind of a cop as you go on patrol with me and witness actual marijuana arrests. You be the student and step into my classroom as I teach deception indicators that police officers use to tell when somebody's lying. So I don't think he saw the light. <laughs> Of of why you know weed is a good thing for America. I think he saw a light the light that being a uh, drug enforcement agent pays shit and selling a DVD to millions of stoners is gonna make him filthy rich. Yeah, I think he saw the cash, yeah. the profit margin here. That's what I think. But well, you know what's kind of funny the way he was saying how forty two percent of all Americans tried weed last year. Forty-two <laughs> percent. That's like half the population. I know that means if my dad didn't, then my mom probably did. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make any is sense? That a, is that a valid sample size? My mom and dad. Seven hundred fifty thousand people busted for weed violations. So. I mean, I guess that makes that's sense. A, that's an amazing statistic that I don't believe. But I don't believe either one of those. Forty-two percent of people tried weed. You know, didn't try weed last year. When they sampled last year, forty-two percent of people said at one point in their lives they had tried weed. That's probably what that means. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, actually, that that makes sense. I mean, we had a president. We had a high. president that was smoking weed. Even that's pretty high, though. Yeah. No, I I was kind of surprised, but so. In the DVDs, he gives all these um, – I think there's like a series of DVDs. He talks about like how not to get busted. And it's funny because some of the things that he suggests were things that I always – you know, I always kind of took as commonplace. Like I never really – some of the things like it was kind of intuition, like where to hide your weed. But, Up under your nuts. Yeah, like I'll always cheek it. <laughs> always put them under your nuts. But anyway, um, so I was reading this article. Here's a couple of the things he mentions in his DVD. And actually, I think this is kind of a public service for uh, Sick and Wrong because we have fans out there that I'm surely get high when they listen to the show. How could you not? They probably drive around their cars smoking weed. <laughs> their iPod hooked so into their stereo. We're gonna help them not to get busted. Okay. So um, go. All right. This is what he says. The best advice I can give you is this: never carry more marijuana than you can eat. <laughs> Which, so do you test yourself beforehand to see how much you can eat? You know, right up to the limit to where you're just vomiting up bags of pot? Well, I don't think he's giving advice to dealers here. Like, I don't think he's like, <laughs> no, you know, the people that are, are carrying bushels of marijuana in the back of their truck. He's trying to casual users from being harassed by the man. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, back when I was a stoner, because I, I was a kind of a prolific stoner for a number of years, at least seven years. Like, I mean, I, I, I stopped I smoking a, weed a few years I ago. I smoked a lot of pot in college, but... Uh, you know, I had friends who smoked way more than I did even then, you know? You know what always used to piss me off about weed and I think kind of led me to stop smoking weed is girls 
smoke a little weed and all of a sudden they get so horny they want to have sex. I smoke weed and I just want to sit there and play video games. You know, it's like, I, I don't think it's an aphrodisiac. You I don't either. And no, I've never noticed that. What girls were you hanging out with? My ex-girlfriend. She, I mean, every time we'd have sex, she'd want to be norm. stoned. I don't think that's the norm. I, I think a lot of girls get turned on when they uh, when they smoke weed. Whereas, Maybe. like, I seriously, it's the complete opposite reaction to me. And I think that kind of led me to, like, you know, I'm just over this drug. You're all dehydrated and cotton mouth and your fucking dick's all shriveled up because, like, all the circulation's going to your lungs. It's a horrible time to have sex for a guy and not to mention i think with weed what what kind of turned me off of weed is like as i got older and i kind of you know took some breaks of just sobriety breaks in between smoking pot you realize how retarded potheads can be like some of the most inane conversations occur while you're high on marijuana that's true and i just don't care to ever participate in one of those retarded conversations ever again you know what i used to hate about it the most i think is the massive amounts of time you spend going to find weed and then when you finally do locate a dealer you gotta hang out with him for like three hours and watch you know all this cool show that he taped you know last night this infomercial it's hilarious no it's not just give me my weed so i can leave the liquor store guy doesn't make you hang out there and like chit chat with him yeah you know i think one way to get around that is in san francisco they have the pot cards where you can actually go to those yeah, little well, pot yeah. stores and get it we but didn't have that no there. in michigan it was like yeah you had to go to your dealer's house and you couldn't just go in no. get your weed and leave it was like you had to go in and you had to like sit there and converse with them and talk about stuff because you're, you're trying to like appear that you're not using this friend just as your dealer <laughs> yeah quote unquote for actual friends you and know? plus just because it is the pot culture everybody's into this like be mellow and be like don't harsh know, me man, man. So you can't just be like, look, give me my pot. I'm, I got to go get high by myself at home. I yeah. don't really like you very much. I don't like you. I the hate your, never, I hate, I hate your sell, music. He'll never sell pot to you again. <laughs> no, seriously. I remember that in college. It was just one of my most hated experiences was going over to our drug dealer's house, having to sit there and listen to Fish or the Grateful Dead for mm. two hours before you'd leave with a quarter of weed. Yeah. yeah. And when people are, and when your dealer's high, he doesn't even realize that it's been two hours. To him, it seems like 15 minutes. Yeah, and you're just like, just measure it out. Here's 40 bucks. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah, I used to hate that. Fucking but you know, hot. back then, I was thinking about the amount of weed that I was driving around, transporting at one time. I think the most I've ever had is probably like three ounces, yeah. which is probably more than I could eat. Cause, and that's another thing about buying pot. If you're the guy whose friend is dealing... All your friends are now leeching off of you to go buy pot all the time. So that's probably yeah. why when you had the most is when you go to your, over to your dealer's house and every single one of your – like the people who lived in your house, it's like, go you get have to get some. a little bit for them. And then you got to drive back with the weed and it's like you're stoned because you just smoked pot for two hours. <laughs> now you're driving around with three ounces of weed and you're – yeah, God, it used to be ridiculous. It was really nerve-wracking for me. But so I does always... he have any advice about driving with pot? Well, yeah, what he says is, and this is what kind of surprised me, because I always, I mean, I guess I never really took that many precautions. I used to just kind of shove it under the seat. Right. I never really thought about it. But he says, don't think by hiding pot in coffee grounds or making the scent with bounce fabric softener vanilla ex- extract, you're going to be okay. Police dogs are trained to go through those scents. Like, they can <laughs> smell through those scents. So, I, I was surprised. He's like, petroleum and cayenne pepper doesn't work either. <laughs> Who puts Vaseline on your bag of weed? Well, if you're gonna shove it up your ass, you might want some lube. Yeah, I guess that might work. But you so know, he I, said so. I so I understand this. Don't ever drive around with more than you can eat. So do you automatically just eat it when you get pulled over? Is that the? 
Yeah, no, no, that's what he said. That's what you got to do, huh? He's that's what he said. There's no, goes, there's, no not... there's no intermediate stage where you think maybe the cop isn't going to catch on and you don't have to eat your pot. Well, he says it's not illegal to smell like pot, it's just illegal to possess it. But could you imagine shoving like a quarter of weed down your throat? I mean, wouldn't you're you gonna be really, really, you get really ill, yeah, and really, really stoned. Yeah. It's like I, I think that would just make matters just a lot worse. That's why I wonder. You know, I, I guess I don't really know how much pot I'm able to eat. I'd have to try it out a couple times. I always thought though, if you're gonna travel with weed, like if you have to just do it sober and then get high when you get to the destination. Yeah, that's the best advice. But sometimes it's unavoidable when you have to smoke pot with your with the dealer. With your dealer, right. yeah. But no, he was saying that a dog can smell through the coffee grounds, which I've always thought if you're sending weed to people, you put it in coffee. But I guess that's a myth. Doesn't work. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. But uh, yeah, I'm, dogs make me nervous. I don't know if you've ever had to deal with that. Drug but in dogs. The airport, yeah, drug dogs. Any kind of dog with a cop, and you're walking by and you have bad some drugs in your pocket. It's just, it's yeah, it makes you nervous. It's bad news. So he says here, if you're going to travel with marijuana, place it in a non contaminated container right before you leave the drug odor won't have time to permeate through the plastic and if you're handling pot at your house wear latex gloves or wash your hands because marijuana <laughs> dust can reside on your fingers and dogs can smell it i never knew that their dust would stick to your hands that's, no, that's, that's news I. to me There's, i mean the places i used to live when i smoked a lot of pot were just they always smelled like pot there's like a film over everything that must be everything yeah well i think it's just you know that the thc crystals or whatever yeah. gets on your hands he says uh hiding your drugs and food is kind of a wise move he's I, apparently uh, mixed smells will throw off the dog so maybe but not you should coffee <laughs> no but maybe you should cook it in like a pot brownie or something yeah, maybe. Uh, that might that might make sense. He says if you just have a joint on you and you get pulled over, this is kind of funny. Put it in a straw and throw the straw in a fast food bag. <laughs> I think he's implying that if you're a if you're a high on, you probably <laughs> you eat a prob- lot of McDonald's, yeah. Burger King, <laughs> Jack like, in the Box. Alternately, reach under the dashboard and place it in one of the numerous nooks and crannies you find. Don't attempt to throw it out the window. <laughs> it's too obvious. They'll always find the joint. The other thing about the stoner car is it already has you know tons of other used bags of fast food laying all over the place. Yeah, so I don't think they're actually going to kind of like your brother's car. (laughs) (laughs) Old Dorito bags. My brother has like five bags of like McDonald's, Burger King, bucket of KFC, (laughs) half eaten. Uh, He says here, if you're driving with large quantities of narcotics, do so in the rain. Cops hate pulling people over when it's wet out. That's, that's just offensive to the police. It's implying that they're too, they, you know, they're too concerned with their own comfort to to uphold the law. Well, I always used to think that was kind of funny when you get pulled over in the rain. I would take extra long to find my insurance <laughs> and my driver's license. I'm like, yeah, well, one second, one second. They've got just that get stu- soaked, you pig. They've got get that soaked. They've got that stupid plastic bag on their hat. <laughs> <laughs> he says traveling during rush hour and other times of heavy traffic is also a good tactic. That uh, makes sense. Well, the one thing about driving in traffic, I actually find is the same thing with being a little bit buzzed. It's less you're less likely to be weaving all over the road if there's lots more cars and you're not going to be speeding because you obviously can't go faster than the car in front of you. Yeah, but when you're driving high, when are you speeding? Well, yeah, I guess I'm thinking you more ever of driving that? hammered. <laughs> yeah, because when you're driving Which I hammered, don't recommend. When you're driving hammered, you want to get home as fast as possible. That's all you're thinking. It's like I want bed now. Driving hammered is a completely different experience than driving stoned. I think you can say that. <laughs> well, when you're driving stoned, you think you're going 50 miles 
miles an yeah. hour, and you're but you're su- actually going 15. And you're super paranoid. When you're driving hammered, you've got, like, the stereo cranked up, you're speeding, <laughs> you're, you know, partaking in road rage against other people on the, on the road. I don't know. Yeah. It's a different experience. He says if you're driving in an area where police officers frequently use dogs, a smart ploy is to spray your car tires with deer scents and fox urine. <laughs> I don't know where you're going to get the fox hearing. No, I think it throws off their scent. Like, it throws off the smell. Oh, like like if you're in an area where every time you get pulled over, the cop happens to have a dog in the car? Yeah, I don't know how many. I I, I guess probably in the spring break towns. They probably uh, cruise around with dogs. Woohoo, spring break! So he says, don't put marijuana in a gas cap or in an external tank or anywhere else on the exterior of your vehicle. Dogs will smell it immediately. <laughs> Plus, when you try and light up a joint, it's going to explode <laughs> in your face. Not to mention that. God damn, man, this sucks. <laughs> My fucking eyebrows are gone, dude. My face is melting. <laughs> Some good weed. He says, uh, alternately, travel with a cat. They make a good distraction for canines used in a search. I don't know. Maybe you can stash your drugs in the cat. Yeah. He says, uh, (laughs) okay, I just want to clarify that. He says a great place to stash pot in your car is toward the interior of the vehicle tucked into a roof panel. The dog is less likely to detect the scent up high. Plus you can like grab it by the jugular when it reaches in there. Yeah. This kind of threw me off, which I was sort of surprised about this. He says, do not put any of the following on your vehicle. They're red flags. Dare stickers, Jesus fish, your frat sticker, or Vietnam vet stickers. <laughs> That's odd. <laughs> Don't you think if you had a Jesus fish on your car, it's going to throw the cop off a little bit? But you know what I think he's saying? If you're 20 years old and have big nappy dreadlocks and you're a white kid, by Tight the way. Tie-dye shirt. <laughs> and you have a Jesus fish or a dare sticker on the back of your car. I think that's what he's saying throws people. Oh, okay. You know, throws the look cop at onto their, your trail. The cop's just like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you There's know. a big cloud of smoke coming from your vehicle. Right. Yeah, I, I can see this. So this is my favorite part of the DVD, and this kind of makes me want to buy it because I think it sounds kind of funny. He says, what not to do when pulled over. So he says, do not scratch your head, do not light a cigarette, and do not turn your palms up. All are telltale signs you are nervous and hiding something. So great. Now, or maybe I'm, you're masturbating. Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> so now I'm pulled over. I'm already paranoid because I'm stoned. And now I have to worry about like, oh, dude, did I scratch my head? I think I did. Uh, my palms, are they down? Are they up? What was the other thing? Don't don't light a cigarette. I'll light a cigarette. Which I always did. When I was stoned and I got pulled over, I always had a cigarette <laughs> lit in my mouth just because I'm like, okay, this is going to calm me down. Because there's nothing, nothing more that would make you more nervous than getting pulled over high. I don't think I ever did get pulled over high, but I can uh, imagine it would suck. I know I hated dri- just driving high is I, enough of a burden. I hated driving high. I just and getting pulled over, there's just nothing and you have like a quarter of weed in your pocket. There's just nothing worse than that. No. There really is. And your cut off jean shorts with your mullet. <laughs> Yeah, my Metallica t-shirt. In your Cutlass Sierra. He says here, uh, know your rights. It's important to remember the distinction between reasonable suspicion and probable cause. I'm sure um, cops love that when some like long-haired hippie is like, man, I know my rights. This yeah. is unreasonable search and seizure. I'm going to go America <laughs> over your ass. Yeah, that's not something he should be telling young stoners. 
You know, that they have some rights that they're not really too clear on to begin well, with. Well, he goes on here to list, like, a bunch of rights that you should remember. And it's as if a stoner is going to remember anything that this guy has to say. <laughs> maybe you Bulletin put, points don't work on stoners. Maybe you could print it out on a laminated 3x5 card to take out <laughs> and hang it from your, you know, sunshade. He says here, you have the right to remain silent. Use that. Never answer questions if they're damaging. So, so like what? Like, so uh, where are you going today? <laughs> just bloodshot eyes are you are you high on marijuana sir <laughs> yeah your, I, I never knew that words would give you away <laughs> i like this too never admit to having smoked pot just because a cop threatens you with a blood test the only time you're obligated to consent to a test is if you're served with a search warrant as is what if he threatens you with a bloody fucking nose mate right <laughs> I just, I, dude, I would just deny. That's that's the only thing that I've learned from all my drug use is just deny, deny until you get caught. Until they find the weed on your person or if you just like, you know, if you're wasted, just keep denying. Yeah. Just don't. Why would you admit it? That's what. That's why people get caught is because they get scared. And right. cops try to do that good cop, bad cop thing on you. And they try, and they, and I think people think that if they say, you know, what they did, that the cops gonna be lenient or something. When in reality, if you're gonna get sentenced, the cop has nothing to do with it. No, he, he totally. You know, if it's gonna be a question of, uh, you know recreational use versus something more harsh the cop will tell you look if you're just honest with me man you'll it'll go better for you that's bullshit i used to always say that i was having an allergic reaction to my girlfriend's cat <laughs> it's just like or or i remember one time i said pink eye <laughs> that's why my eyes are all bloodshot and i smell like weed yeah <laughs> it's the cat pissed on me with my big fucking dr- <laughs> nappy smelly dreadlocks he says if you have just a little bit of marijuana on you and it's decently well hidden in your car consent to a search more often than not the cop will do a cursory search and not find it what about my gun <laughs> <laughs> Is that a problem? Yeah, I don't think that works in Oakland. I don't have you ever actually been busted with weed? I don't think so. Not by the cops. I mean, I think my parents your found Your parents found some on you. My parents found some pot once and You I could use it. these tactics on your parents. Just <laughs> re- right, right to remain silent. Well, according to that percentage, apparently my parents were one of them was smoking weed the whole time, but uh <laughs> Yeah, no, I've never been busted by the cops with pot. I remember the only time I've ever actually been busted. I, I didn't actually get arrested, but they did confiscate my pipe. Was uh, It was my senior year of, of high school. And as a matter of fact, it's kind of a funny story. I was actually busted with uh, steel from uh, from the Ville. Wow. Yeah, who doesn't even struck, do drugs. He always struck me as a criminal type. Yeah, but, he, but you know what, though? That guy in high school, he rarely ever drank. Now he drinks a lot more, but he never did drugs. He was always against drugs. And so, like, me and my friend Kessler were total high on. Like, we used to smoke weed all the time, and he used to, like, you know, make fun of us all the time for it. Yeah, I can but see But he never did drugs. But on, on, this, on the night in question here, what actually happened is me and Kessler were driving around. It's like 3 in the morning. We're in Bay City, Michigan. There's nothing to do. Well, it's like a Saturday it's night. I think Actually, I think it was like a weeknight because it was in the summer. Uh, if right you're after, not 21, what do you – I can't even – I mean, I can barely remember what you would do. You drive around and get drunk. Right. That's all we did is we drive around, drink, and smoke weed in our car. <laughs> uh, so it's probably a good – we should have had these DVDs. It might have helped, <laughs> it might have helped us. So anyway, we're driving up the street, and we see this house had one of those, like, blinking signs in their front yard. That I guess it, it, one, one side said, vote yes for the school millage. So this uh, was an electric, an electric campaign sign for some ballot measure. Yeah, but it's like with the plastic letters that you can just kind of swap in and out. 
but and it's it had got, like a it's blinking got a light, light behind. Is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, a blinking light on top. And, and this is a this street. is a residence. It was a residence. See, I think <laughs> it's just some dumbass that had this sign yeah, advertising the school track, But this is the kind of dumbasses that live in the middle of nowhere in Michigan that would put a fucking electric campaign sign about a local ballot issue in his fucking front yard because he thinks people want to hear what he fucking has to say. Well, that's Retarded. why. That's why I thought this guy deserved to have his sign changed. I think he did too. And so we were driving by, and we saw that, and both of us at the same time, like so stoned, were like, we should change that sign. So we get out of the car. We're about to walk over there and change the sign, and another buddy of ours named Dreyer pulled up, and he's like, what's going on? Like, we're going to go change the sign. He's like, all right, I'll help you. And you're stoned at this point, I think. Oh, yeah. It. And then all three of us got even more stoned, <laughs> and we're trying to think of what to change the sign to, <laughs> which, which took a while. Yeah, pot really <laughs> helps the creative process. It was, it was a brainstorming session going on. <laughs> then Steel pulls up. And uh, he's like, what's going on? We're like, oh, we're about to change that sign. Absolutely. And he's like, absolutely, we're going to change that sign. So we ended up changing it to one side said uh, pedophiles for school. And the other sign said, or I think it said pedos for school. And the other side of the sign said, keep cunts open, vote yes for the school millage. Yeah, it sounds like you were all pretty stoned. <laughs> yeah, well, we were really stoned. <laughs> so we checked it out. We thought it was great. Then Steele was like, well, now we got to go walk over the other side to check the sign out from the other side of the street. So we walk over there, and then like six police cars pull up. I mean, because this all is... All of Bay City's finest, probably. Uh, dude, this the is whole like force. a major infraction in Bay City. <laughs> I mean, this is like action, because nothing ever went on there. Right. And so, yeah, the, these six police... Police officers like pull up in their cars. They come out. They're like, "What's going on, fellas?" And Steele's like, "Well, we we're just four young men out on a nightly stroll." So I've seen these pictures on the From the Ville website. I take it Steele at this time had a huge, glorious mullet. Yeah, he used to call it the Golden Eagle of mullets. <laughs> but he, but I think it was buzzed on top, right? Yeah, no, it was like buzzed on top, but spiky, uh-huh. and just this long mullet Straight in the back. In the back yeah. And he'd wear a trench coat and jean shorts. Cops with love to see cowboy that. Cowboy boots. Cops love to see that. Well, the that one, the one cop was like, "Do you guys change that sign?" And we're like, "No." And he's like, "Well, someone reported that two guys with long hair and two guys with hats." Just change a sign. Steele looks at him. He's like, well, I saw two guys with long hair running that way. And then Kessler was like, and I saw two guys with hats running that way. And meanwhile, it's like, you know, Kessler and Steele had long scent, hair yeah. and me and the other guy had hats. So and to make a long story short, the guy looked in my car, saw my pipe, and I had this pot pipe I was sitting say, there. What is, are we talking about uh, a pipe that you can fit in your pocket or some ridiculous, like, I went to Ann Arbor to the head shop and came back with this thing? Dude. I was a newbie to the pot smoking world, okay? So I did so get a big, ridiculous big. Tom Petty-like <laughs> metal pipe. Did I have a Grateful Dead skull with a lightning bolt across it on it? No, it was actually kind of cool. It was like this big metal pipe, and there was a carburetor, like a carb. I think it's, I think that's what they called it, in the middle that you could, like, resonate weed. You put the weed in there and then smoke you other smoke weed. smoke other weed. <laughs> See, that's the one thing you got to – I don't. I hate pot, and I've hated it for a long time, but the one thing you got to say about pot – there's lots of gadgets you can get. Yeah, no, seriously. The no ingenuity so with the pot gadgets. Dude, they can make a bong out of ever, anything. You know, it's just, you yeah. know, pot heads are some of the most creative people, even though they're, ret- but the, all they're sitting there <laughs> yeah. creating is they're other things to smoke weed area. out of. Yeah, exactly. But uh, anyway, he uh, looks in my car, takes the pipe out. This ridiculously huge pipe is like, all of a sudden it's just like, 
I'm a badass cop. Whose is this? One of you guys is going down. Did you try and say it was something else? Like it was for your asthma or something? No, at that point I was like, <laughs> I knew. Like I, dude, I knew I was fucked. I was just like, okay, it's mine. And so he's like, get in the back of the car, son. <laughs> and so he totally did that separate and interrogate maneuver. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it's like now he's going to get two stories and <laughs> so see he's if got, they conflict. He's got the dryer over there and he's like... So did you change that sign? Those other guys said you changed the sign. <laughs> well, he said had it was me you. in the car. And so he comes over and he's just like, all right, son, this is your pipe. Um, I don't know if you know that marijuana is illegal and you can go away for a long time. And, dude, I totally – That's a good one too, the cop but, yeah. asking you if you know that it's illegal. <laughs> Fuck you. It's like I had no idea. And then, I mean, at the same time, though, I'm a kid. I, dude, I thought I was going to go away for like 10 years. Right, be ass-raped yeah. in prison. And this dude's just like sitting there making it seem like it's the worst scenario possible. Like I got caught with like a brick of cocaine. And so he puts the pipe on his driver's seat. And I, meanwhile, he was like, so who changed that sign? I just said, you know, I'm going to take the rap here i changed the sign it was my idea he's like what the other guys do i was like they laughed and so then he gets out of the car and was like your friend spilled the beans blah 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 and so meanwhile i was like wells meanwhile in my paranoid pot mind i was like i gotta get the weed out of that car because we had been resonating pot for the whole summer right so he didn't really at that point the cop didn't think you had weed he just found your pipe he just found a pipe right so i reached under the seat to get into the front seat of the car and there's like a little hole in the from the back. So I reached under there, grabbed the pipe, opened it up, and started like dumping all this like tar black resin into my pocket. I didn't know that it was gonna reek. I mean, dude, there was black shit all over my hands. I mean, the whole car just reeked of marijuana. And I'm fumbling about with it. I put it back on, throw it back on the seat. The cop comes over and is like, I'm taking your pipe, son. I'm gonna let you go. If I catch you again with weed. Or with marijuana, you're going to go to jail for a long time. Now, did this cop have a mustache? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They all did. Yeah. It's a basic. So you know they're cops. I mean, it's part of the uniform. Yeah. And so then he was like, pretty much, he just made us change the sign back. And so, but dude, I was so spooked over that whole experience. I was like, I'm never smoking weed again. And like a half an hour later, I was like, all right, I'll smoke weed maybe once a month, but not every day. And then like a half an hour later, I was like. You got any weed? <laughs> I need to get high. We well, said the big tar thing in your pocket, right? Dude, it was all over my hands. I mean, it's got dryer <laughs> lint all over it. You can't smoke that anymore. It's a good thing the guy didn't have a dog. But had I known the right to remain silent, I would have said shit. <laughs> I would have just denied. It's like that's not a pipe. Is this your pipe? No. <laughs> just remain silent. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> But, you know, it's a good thing he didn't catch me with any other drugs. Because back then, I mean, we were doing mushrooms. We were doing acid. We were doing – I mean, actually, we didn't really do cocaine. And I don't even think E was around back then. Or it was kind no. of a rare. Well, and like... it was weird. People didn't really know it. People would just have some weird pill, and they'd be like, well, what's that? Well, it's kind of like acid. Take one. And you didn't even know what it was. And then you just, like, felt really happy for five hours. But I hours. think people were doing E in the bigger cities. I don't think they really were doing it in the smaller towns. No, not so unless much. You, unless you were in the know. But acid was uh, plentiful. I mean, it was abundant. We used to do acid all the time. Yeah. Do, do people still do acid anymore? I was wondering that the other day. I read. I was reading some essay in some, like, one of those weekly newsletters that they, they leave around the bars in Oakland. And uh, this guy was talking about his experiences with LSD back in the 60s. And then I was like, well, that's okay. It was around then. It was around, you know, in the 90s. But I don't even – I don't know. Do people do it anymore? I never hear about it. But, you know, is it just because ecstasy's pushed it out 
is it because we're not in really the age group anymore where we're like expanding our minds and fucking learning about bullshit? Well, I, my my theory on acid, I would never do acid again. I no, really, no, I no, can no, honestly never. say I will never do acid again. And the reason being, would is you my, are do you regret doing it? No, I don't regret doing it, and I think everyone should do it at least once in their life. Actually, <laughs> I, I think you should I'll do all that. drugs at least once in your life, just to, just for the experience. You could say you did it. But the thing is with acid, acid was a lot of fun when you're 17 years old, living in your mom's basement. Yeah. You know, like, you not have no, a care, no, in, not the a care world. in the world. You can do whatever you want, but when you're 32 and you're living in a studio in the Tenderloin, you start thinking about how fucked up your life is. You know, it's just like, I'm not getting anywhere. I haven't been laid in three weeks. Well, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's you, it's seriously, not seriously not, you get introspective. Yeah, but it's not that you're not getting anywhere because you have that feeling when you're in when you're living in the basement too. I think it's the obligations because, yeah. like, in the tenderloin, you have mental in the studio, baggage. Yeah, you're saying I'm not getting anywhere, and I have to do all this shit to maintain even this level of existence. When you're in the your mom's basement. It's just like, I'm not yeah. getting anywhere, but fuck it. Who cares? I'm 17 years old. <laughs> and I'm high as fuck. <laughs> but, it, but it's an interesting point. I don't know. I haven't seen acid in years. I don't even know if you can still go in. I would, I'd have no idea where to go get it. Well, we have a friend who doesn't have any responsibilities, <laughs> at least as far as I can tell. I think his wife takes care of him mostly. It amazes me that he's married. But Well, uh, you know, I was thinking we should call my brother because my brother's always been an authority on drugs. <laughs> For me, like That's I know another opportunity. Yeah, I, I know he's done that, and I kind of wanted to int- introduce this new segment to the podcast, annoying my brother. But you know, maybe maybe we'll give him a reprieve this week. Okay. And and you know who we should call is Bob Madigan, right, who I was going to have on of. the show. I was going to have him on the show a couple weeks ago, but he couldn't find the apartment because he's too retarded. <laughs> and then he couldn't find a quarter to make a call. Well, I mean, this guy's developmentally disabled. I mean, he is on state funded. Like, I think I think he's on I, I think he's on like social benefits or something. I don't, I don't think he has a job, but I know he's done his fair share of acid, and I wouldn't doubt that he still does. <laughs> so maybe we should call him and find out if people still do acid. Yeah, I don't have so, a whole lot of faith in this, but we can try, and if it doesn't right. work, if, we'll, if he's we'll not cut there, he's not there. If, if, but let's try it. There we go. I hope his wife doesn't answer. Yeah, I hope his wife doesn't answer either. She has one leg, you know. Hello. Hey, is uh, Bob there? Uh, yeah. Hold on one second. He's right here. All right. Hello? Hey, Bob. What's up? It's Sanchez. How you doing? I'm doing all right. What's shaking? Uh, we're, we're doing a sick and wrong show right now, and we're, we're talking about drugs. And I know you've done a lot of drugs in your time, and I have a question for you, Bob. All right. What is it? So, I'm wondering, when's the last time you did LSD? Acid. The last time? Yeah. Uh, probably about 10 years ago, maybe. So in, do, fact, in fact, it's probably been longer than that. It's been 10 years since you've done uh, acid? So, yeah. So do, pe- do people still do acid anymore? I haven't seen a, a hit of bladder in, like, years, so I don't know. So if, let's say, tomorrow, I came over to your house and gave you a hit of acid, would you even do it anymore? Um, that could be uh, possible. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so, tomorrow would be a bad day because I got band practice. Uh, oh, you got band practice? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, I mentioned on the show that you're in a band called Fluff Girl. You guys playing any shows coming up? Yeah, we're playing the Sixth Street Fair on uh, Saturday. Oh, yeah. Did you hear about that? The Sixth Street Fair? We're, you're on the phone with uh, Lance Wackerly, my co-host here, too. Hey, what's up, Bob? <laughs> Not much. You remember him? He used to be on the radio show, The Cleveland Steamer. Yeah. yeah, back back in the day. So so Bob, the last time you did acid, what did you do? Oh, 
Well, the last time I did, well, it was actually mushrooms. The last time I did any hallucinogens, and I was down in um, L.A. and we just went out driving. We went to like uh, Muscle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> you, you went to Muscle Beach like, and looked at a bunch of beefcake dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it kind of gay. Like, it, well. Whatever the name of the, that whole beach is, uh, Venice. Venice Beach. Yeah, yeah, Venice Beach. Um, it was like a, a shopping mall outside or something. <laughs> I hated it. I was like, "Get me out of here! It's too hot." Yeah, I, but I can see my mushrooms are still around. But our, our the question that that original question we had was we haven't seen LSD around either, and we just wondered if anybody ever saw it or if it's just gone. Into the guy's house that makes all of the acid. Who? Oh, I can't tell you that. Oh, wait, yeah, you don't want to say his name, but is he, is <laughs> he name, local? His name is, his name is Al S. <laughs> Anyways, um, um, yeah, like, he, he, we went over to interview him, and I caught a contact buzz just being in his house. So, do you think people, why why don't the kids do LSD anymore? Why, why isn't there acid around? I don't know. You know, I that's a good question, actually. I think it's but because... I, but, I, but this guy that I went to his house... Um, um, I think he had dosed the doorknobs. <laughs> when I walked in, man, uh, I'm looking at his whole house was nothing but sheets of acid on the wall. And he'd say, what was your first dose, what year and stuff? And I said something like, Mickey Mouse, uh, you know, when, uh, what is that, Fantasia, Mickey Mouse. Uh, was that like 1962? <laughs> not that old. <laughs> no, it was probably about 75, I would say. And uh, he pulled out this book, and right there he had a whole sheet of the uh, acid that I had taken. So some people have wine cellars, but this guy just had, like, all the vintage LSD sheets. <laughs> yeah. God, I wonder if that guy still doses himself, if he still gets dosed, do you think? Obviously. Yeah, probably. Uh, and um, you know, like he had like sheets of acid. You could either buy him dosed or undosed. And I bought like three or four sheets of undosed acid that looked really cool. But wait, did you do it, or is it there's just it was undosed? No, saying there's no LSD. It's oh. just the, the perforated oh, the... page with all the little designs on it. Right, and we were gonna make make our next record cover into like a, a sheet of acid. Um, it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good but idea. But then we've come up with some better ideas. But uh, um, Well, Bob, uh, thank you for answering the question. And uh, we're, we're definitely going to have to give you a call back on some of the later shows because uh, Bob's really informative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Fluff Girl is playing the 6th Street Fair this weekend. Yes. All right, I'm going to have to come check you out. 6th and Harrison, man. All right, yeah. dude. It starts at 10 o'clock, and we're playing about 3.30. All right, I'm going to come down and check it out for sure. For sure. All right. Take it easy, dude. Have a good one. Later. Bob seemed much more coherent than I expected him to be. Yeah, I was but, kind uh, of surprised. The guy's got a great voice for radio, though, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. He sounds like he's chewing glass. It's like really <laughs> soothing. It's very soothing. He should do phone sex. Yeah, I don't know. But well, so I guess... he actually went to the LSD factory, so somebody's still making it, I guess. Well, but I mean, I, I get at the same time, it it, it kind of um... he confirmed our suspicion. Yeah, it, he it doesn't it just see it in general. Confirms circulation. my belief that I don't think there's that much LSD around. But hey, you and know he's what? a guy. 
guy who, uh, you know, he's in a band and he gets up on stage in a fishnet bodysuit <laughs> and hangs like a rack of ribs he has from meat his panties yeah, too. He hangs a rap, rack of ribs from his neck. So if there's any drugs out there, I think yeah. he would be aware. I of think Bob would know. Well, I don't know if, uh, if the listening audience wants to chime in on this, give us an email, singerongpodcast at hotmail.com. And if you want to order those DVDs and you're a drug user and you don't want to get busted. NeverGetBusted.com is the website. NeverGetBusted.com. Never get busted. I think he's doing a public service, that guy. Yeah. Well, moving on here, Wackerly, I want to do a quick recap from uh, last week's show, episode 80. Believe it or not, you won. Awesome. Yep. Uh, that's why I'm what buying beer. Was, but it must have been good. You did a story about some pesky Floridian Jews who were feeding their children to the gators. All right. Yeah. I did a story about a man who jammed his arm up a horse's vagina. And a listener sent in a story that almost, almost beat you um, about uh, some guys in England, a bunch of hooligans who locked up an epileptic in their shed the and shed. tortured him. Yeah, right. So uh, you came in with 93 votes. Listener had a, a close 86 votes. And I only had a measly 48. So uh, Wackily won episode 80. But for episode 81, we'll have to see who has the best story. So people, you know the way sick and wrong works. Wackily and I comb the internet for the most disturbing news item of the week. The audience votes, and the winner gets a case of beer. We throw in a wild card with a listener submission. And uh, yeah, you can decide uh, who, who wins by voting at sickandwrongpodcast.com. I believe I started last week. So why don't you kick off the show here, Wackily? All right, I guess I will. Hey, I just had a question, though. Did you uh, play air saxophone at the Jazz Fest? Or... I heard um, you were pretty good. Yeah, just up in front of the crowd. I was playing air xylophone. <laughs> okay. I was just kind of like, right, bing, I just bing, to bing. I just wanted to clear that up before I did my <laughs> Would you story. let the Jazz Fest thing go? No. God damn you. This short story comes out of Chicago, Illinois, a beautiful city down there, up there, over there. Uh, Apparently, Jesus Ramirez, who is 49, is charged with one count of first-degree murder in the death of Dina David. Jesus. Jesus. Son of God. (laughs) Some Mexican. Who would go figure? He's charged with the death of Dina David, whose body was found wrapped in plastic bags inside a closet in his apartment. Uh, she showed up at, uh, apparently how this all happened was, uh, Dina David showed up at his apartment July 18th to pick up some identification, and the two got into an argument. <laughs> well, I don't know why her ID was over there. Actually, apparently she's the daughter of, uh, or her mom used to date this guy. Um, well, so, Mexicans tend to sell a lot of, like, fake IDs. Fake IDs, but yeah, D- Dina so. David doesn't sound like a, uh, Hispanic name. Yeah, but maybe she was getting a fake ID. How old is she? She's 35, too. That's, okay, I don't know. She's not a young girl. <laughs> I, you, you get that impression because usually when an old guy kills a girl, she's like 13. 20, yeah, 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 or something. No, she's actually 35. So I don't know what's going on with the ID thing. <clears throat> something, I, Something's uh, not being uh, reported here. I, I just think there's something They're missing it. a crucial detail. Yeah, but anyways, she went over there to do that, get the IDs, and he, they got into an argument. He was like, ah, deals me, I'll get out of here, Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> During the exchange, Ramirez punched I David. I got no idea, say. <laughs> During the exchange, Ramirez punched Dina David in the face until she fell on the ground, and then he stepped on her neck. Jesus. He then uh, strangled her with his hands. Is that like a Mexican wrestling move? <laughs> he was doing the hat dance. <laughs> the lucha on her... libre. He was doing the hat Next dance on stomp. her face. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, anyways. I think he thought she was a pinata. Yeah, then she was, uh, no candy came out, though. Just gore. <laughs> just intestines. I guess he figured out that she was dead, or maybe he just thought she was unconscious, but he dressed her in a white t-shirt and blue jeans. <laughs> why, why? Was she naked? I think that's like a Mexican prom dress. <laughs> Uh, the guy, the guy who report is reporting this is Andy Conklin, a spokesman with the state's attorney's office. He then slept with the body for the next two nights. <laughs> so he's a romantic. Apparently not, because a Latin this, lover. <laughs> uh, the spokesman for the state's attorney office says it wasn't sexual. He lays next to her in bed and tells her that he loves her and wants to keep her body. Okay, so this, so this is an insane Mexican guy. Yeah, and I still think it's sexual. I mean, I don't, I don't know. That sounds pretty sexual. So to wait, me. she wasn't molested in any way. It's, I guess, it's not erotic. It's more of a loving relationship. Was with she this wearing? Was she wearing the uh, Mexican prom dress? <laughs> yeah, the white t-shirt and blue jeans. <laughs> and blue jeans. I mean, that doesn't mean he can't dry hump her, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, when the corpse began to smell, Ramirez wrapped it in plastic bags. And placed it's not it in smelling a, too good in here. Placed it in a bedroom <laughs> closet and covered it with clothes. I like. I mean, did he think that was gonna stop the problem? Like out of sight, out of mind. Out of, I, I don't know. It's I, ridiculous. I, she continued to decompose. He. Uh, they finally caught this guy. Oh, concerned relatives smelled a strong odor outside of Ramirez's apartment and uh, on Sunday and knocked it down the door. <laughs> I assume he has like some of those big fat like Mexican relatives. They can just knock down a door at Is will. Is that abuelo? Yeah. Uh, they found her body in the closet. Then uh, they finally found Ramirez was at the airport. He was heading for Guadalajara, Mexico. <laughs> they always flee to Mexico when the crime's committed. Yeah, because nobody's gonna fucking catch you in I, Mexico. I love how Ramirez is such like a a good serial killer Mexican name. Yeah, Richard, yeah, Richard Ramirez, Ramirez. The Night Stalker. And this guy. This guy. He's old, though. I mean, he's 40. I guess 49 isn't really old anymore. And this woman's 35. I mean, it's not like she's some... It's old in Mexico. <laughs> That's true. But he's living in <laughs> Chicago. But this girl, you know, she's 35. It's not like she's some uh, damsel in distress. You know, you'd think she could hold her own against a 49-year-old I dude. just think there's more to this story. Like, there's definitely some backstory that we don't have. Yeah, well, here's a little bit of backstory. It doesn't really explain much. But I guess in December 2004, uh, this guy, Ramirez, was arrested for domestic battery. And the victim at that time was also Dina David. So I just think that... He was dating this chick's mom, and they just had a uh, not a good relationship. You know, she was probably always busting his ass about being such a loser, and that uh, you know her, her mom was too good for him. She's like, "You're so lazy. Why are you so sleepy all the time?" I'm so sleepy. I'm so sleepy. So, uh, and back in uh, back in 2004 December, he uh, you know I guess you know popped her. <laughs> just punched her once. You know what it probably and, uh, was. But at the time, he had told police that he would kill her and stuff her in a garbage can. Wait, he told police that. Yes. How how more incriminating can you get? I don't know get? how he. Yeah, I don't know how he's. I, I, I love how around. the cops were just kind of like, oh, he's some delusional Mexican. Who cares? But my favorite part <laughs> of this is that he really was uh, conflicted in his feelings about her because he, you know, told the cops that he wanted to kill her and put her in a garbage can. They obviously had fights all the time. But once he had her corpse, I'll say it again. He was in love. He said he laid next to her in bed. And would tell her that he loved her and wanted to keep her body. <laughs> I, I don't. You know what? Maybe he regretted his action. Or maybe, you know what? It could be like that song, Used to Love Her, But I Had, but to, I kill had her. to Kill Her. Yeah. Or just you know? some people are like that. You know, you sometimes you just hate the people that you love. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough love. I think right. with that one. 
So uh, on the brand new Sigurong Star Scale, oh, what are you going to give this? I'm going to give it four stars. Four stars? Yeah. Uh, it was a murder. Yeah, four it was stars. a murder. He laid with a corpse. He did tell, he whispered sweet nothings into its ear. It's I particularly if he whis- heinous. I wonder if he whispered in Mexican. Spanish. <laughs> in Spanish? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was singing, um, what's that guy, uh, that, that gay Mexican guy that's all popular? Uh, Ricky Martin. Yeah, Ricky Martin. Maybe he was singing Ricky Martin songs. To Ricky her. Martin. <laughs> Ricky Martin. Living the she vida bangs, loca. She bangs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This guy's definitely living la vida loca. You know, I'm gonna have to give that four stars as well. All right. Uh, just because he did lay with the corpse for a couple days. Perfect. Yeah, I think it just makes it worse. Well, um, my, my my article here for um, episode 81 is it's a good article. I just want to give I want to preface this I want to preface this story by saying sick and wrong to determine if an article whether an article is sick and wrong doesn't have to include whether or not a murder is committed. Yeah, remember when that guy emailed us and he wanted some like mathematical formula and had like 16 <laughs> variables? That's not what this is about. Well, what I'm saying is I think there are many components to make what may what determines whether or not a story is sick and wrong. I mean, there can be intent, the, the fact that it's bizarre, the True. fact that um, a murder is actually committed. So that's why I'm thinking this story is rather atypical. For a sick and wrong story, because it's it's sick and wrong, but there's no actual murder committed. Mm, interesting. Now, had there been a murder committed, it'd definitely be a five star. So authorities Don't free score the story. <laughs> All right, authorities. Man offered cash to drown kids for sex thrill. Oh. Suspect says he likes watching the bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> so this happened in Tallahassee, Florida. Tallahassee. That's a, that's a surprise. You always get the worst freaks in Florida. I swear to God, they the all heat, move it over makes there. You crazy. Yeah, I, I, the humidity, the heat, Disney World, I don't know. So a man from Ohio is accused of offering a Florida mother hundreds of dollars to dunk and torture her children underwater in order to satisfy his bizarre sexual fetish. I want to know what gave him the impression that this woman would be amenable to that suggestion. Well, this guy is one of those idiots who uh, meets someone online and actually thinks arranges. Thinks it's not yeah, an FBI agent. Thinks it's not an FBI agent, what a dumbass. which in fact it was. So Jeb Dolan here, who's from Ohio. So I guess I was kind of wrong in assuming he was from Florida, but it's this happened in Florida. Florida right? Yeah. So Jeb Dolan from Ohio was arrested by authorities after he flew to Miami, believing he was going to meet a mother of two girls, ages nine and twelve, to pay her five hundred and fifty dollars. To forcibly submerge the children underwater until they became unconscious. <laughs> this guy has an IQ of like 60. <laughs> but at the same time, where do you develop this sexual fetish? I mean, forcing young girls to get underwater? He must have had a, ex- an ex- a bad experience with a swirly at a young age. <laughs> because usually, Multiple you know, something like this happens to the person and then they, they fetishize it, right? So during multiple internet conversations, Dolan told the woman who is an undercover agent with the U.S. Secret Service, surprise, surprise, because any woman who's willing to talk about letting you pay her to torture her children online is probably a, a Secret Service agent. Eh, 
was five hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, it was five hundred bucks. Remember I that mean... movie Indecent Proposal? <laughs> yeah. I smell a sequel. <laughs> He um was uh, was uh during the conversations he says dunking was his particular form of sexual gratification. So he's into dunking. That kind of implies that he's had past experiences with it, maybe with animals or something. Well, no, that's what's weird. He sent her a video. <laughs> oh man. So the allegations made during the course of this inve- investigation are so heinous that they're almost outside the realm of comprehension. Without law enforcement intervention, real children would have been in grave danger. No, they wouldn't have because no mother would ever do this. I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, think about the, some of the mothers we've talked about here on this show. <sighs> you $550 right. can buy a lot of crack. I guess, yeah. So the undercover investigation began in April when the Secret Service agent was working undercover in an internet chat room. What chat rooms have dunking? I, I mean, is it, was he like in this dunking fetish chat room? I'm sure I, somebody I will email it to us. She was posing as the mother of two young daughters. Dolan claimed online that he liked watching the bubbles and went on to send the undercover agent explicit images of child torture as examples of what he proposed to do to her two young children. He requested to meet the mother in Miami and was arrested when his plane arrived after again describing to another undercover investigator, this guy's real smart, exactly what he wanted to do to the children, including a detailed explanation of how he planned to bind the young girls to the bottom of the pool of water. So he, I guess he was planning to like handcuff them and bind them to the bottom of the pool. Somehow, yeah. Um, Dolan will initially be charged with selling or buying of minors, a first-degree felony, and promoting the sexual performance of a child, a second-degree felony. Even though he didn't do anything, he faces up to 45 years in prison. Where He'll only make it like three, if that. I mean, that's outside the outside odds. Yeah, dude. Once he gets in general population, they're going to be like, you're into what? Dude, he's going to get a little more than a swirly. Yeah. And uh, But you know what? The, the fact of the matter is, though, the guy didn't actually commit the murders. No. But once once the other prisoners get wind of this, he's done. He's going to get a brown swirly to begin with. Yeah. So he's definitely getting a brown swirly. Yeah. I, I don't know. But this guy is definitely a, a, a uh, I don't know, sick and wrong fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Probably one of the sickest individuals I've heard in a long time, and not to mention, one of the most bizarre fetishes I've heard about in a while. And one of the stupidest people we've ever talked about on the show before. That, that's why it's like when I was reading this, even though, despite the fact that he didn't actually do anything, he didn't commit a murder, he deserves 45 years in prison for stupidity. Thought crime. And not to mention for being a complete pervert. So on the sick and wrong scale, I'm going to have to give this at least three stars. Which scale? Maybe three and a half. The sick and wrong star scale. <laughs> On the star scale, I'm giving this three and a half. No, I'm going higher than that. I'm You're going it, higher? Yeah, I'm going to give it a four and a half because that's just weird. I mean, the fact that this guy gets off watching, you know, in young girls drowning in a pool. Did he say that he's... Has he done this with animals or anything? Does it say anything about no, that? No, it doesn't or mention we can anything. Only, we can but only... where did he get these images yeah. that he sent her? So he must have done this before. MS Paint. <laughs> <laughs> Stick figures. Yeah. Photoshop. Stick figure drawings. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know what? We'll have to see what the uh, listening audience has to say about that. Yeah. Go vote. SickandWrongPodcast.com. We'll finally hear our listener submission for episode 81. Wackerly, I must say... This is a formidable story. I don't know if uh, either one of our stories is going to be able to compete with this, but well, ultimately it's works. up to the listeners. And, um, you know, people say that, you know, I, I always thought we're equal opportunity. It's like if we get a good story from somebody, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to give it to the listener. 
Yeah. And this is the case Maybe, in point. Unless it's really good and I saw it first. Well, you know, I didn't even see this one. So I was kind of surprised. I was like, well, I don't know where this guy got it, but uh, it's definitely a good one. So uh, this was sent in by Joey. He says, hi, I'm Joey from Germany. Here's my story of the week. Check this out. Um, postscript here. I think it's great that you rate your stories, but that star scale is totally gay. Change it back or else a hobo is going to get it. <laughs> Sorry, hobo. <laughs> I hate homeless people, so I don't really uh, see the merit in this threat. Hobos live on trains. They're not homeless. <laughs> yeah, are there hobo? <laughs> Where's he going to go find a boxcar willy? <laughs> I don't know. Riding I mean, the rails, I suppose. Yeah, I haven't seen a hobo in a long time. <laughs> you don't spend enough time down at the train down tracks. Down at the train tracks. <laughs> Yeah, is he talking about a guy with like a, you know, one of those like top hats with a top cut out? And yeah, like a and a bindle. Stick and a, a bindle. bindle. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think I think this guy doesn't know what he's getting into. I think the, a hobo is gonna beat his ass. Do they even ha- have hobos in Germany? They have trains. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, former Nazis. Ein hobo. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Joey sent this uh, story into us, and here it is: pool cue prank backfires to end in agony. This happened in Australia. Mm. And I actually think this probably happens all the time in Australia. (laughs) So a man rammed a pool cue into the rectum of a drunken friend with such force that it snapped off, leaving 31 centimeters stuck inside his bowels. (laughs) A friend. (laughs) A friend. Yeah, friends like that who needs enemas. So, roofer Matthew Noel Triffitt, 21 years old, who previously pled guilty to a charge of grievous bodily harm, was given a six-month jail sentence, suspended for two years, and ordered to perform 140 hours of community service for doing this. Um, apparently, what actually happened, this is, what the, this is why they gave him such a light sentence. It was a criminally reckless act, but a momentary one, committed stupidly by a very drunk man who thought it was funny at the time, Without real malevolence for the complainant. So in Australia, being really drunk will get you a lighter sentence? <laughs> Dude, what would happen here? Would this be like a hate crime? Well, I assume they're both white guys, and they did say it was his friend. I don't know if they're still friends, but I mean, it's I, hard I, to say. Well, l- listen to this, and you can tell me if you'd still be friends with this guy. So the court was told that Triffitt had drunk alcohol at various locations around Hobart, which I guess is in Australia, to celebrate the birthday of um, one or two friends with him at the time. Uh, the justice said the trio ended up at the Village Green Tavern east of Hobart, where the complainant crashed to the floor with his buttocks exposed while his friends ran around the pub in the nude. See, I'd like to know how they got to that point. <laughs> uh, a lot of fosters. It's got to be a lot of fosters. I mean, I know yeah. they drink heavily in Australia, but this is just insane because yeah. I've celebrated many a birthdays with my friends, but never once was I running around the bar naked and then um, having a, you know one of my friends pulling his pants down with his ass in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's like an Australian thing. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I don't know. I mean, you've uh, you fucked with your passed out drunk friends before, you know, but but never you... once have I shoved a pool cue up their ass. No, it's usually like you're dipping your balls in their mouth and taking photos, that sort of thing. And don't you think if you're wasted with your with your drunk friends and one of your friends starts getting naked, wouldn't you be like, dude, dude? Yeah, but it says they were all naked. Yeah, I guess they were all it naked was a potty, running around. Right. <laughs> I wonder what the other like the bartender in the pub was thinking. Oh, you crazy Aussies. I don't care. <laughs> or, or the bouncer. I'm another foster. I assume there wasn't a bouncer who would have stopped this nefarious activity. You know, I'm surprised that there are no women with them, but then, again, I guess I'm not. 
<laughs> so he said that uh, Triffitt used considerable force to thrust the pool cue into the man's anus. Now, are we talking about the thick end or the, the skinny end? I'm not sure. Did he properly chalk it first? <laughs> I don't know. He said he uh, used considerable force to thrust the cue into the man's anus, yeah, including lateral force because it snapped in two. So <laughs> I, I just kind of want to clarify this. Lateral force. Was he going from like side to side with his thing? Yeah, like a like mopping, churning like butter? A mopping the floor. No, churning butter would be the... <laughs> The other direction. He's he's doing like a mopping the floor motion with so his hands. So not only did he shove a pool cue into his drunk friend's asshole, he started mopping the floor back and forth, pulling it in. Yeah, think about that dance, the cabbage patch. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like that. You know, I don't understand how Is drunk... the guy screaming in pain? I mean, are the, what are the other friends doing at this point? I think they're all laughing <laughs> because uh, everyone thought it was rather funny. So um, he said Triffitt thought it was a big joke until the full extent of what he had done was revealed. So maybe this guy is just an Australian bully. Was the guy on the floor passed out? Yeah, he said, well, no, actually he wasn't. In crippling pain, the complainant went home and removed the cue from his rectum. So rectum? He nearly w- <laughs> killed him. <laughs> he walked home with his broken pool cue in his ass. See, and then he went home and removed it. But go back a little bit. I don't understand this. If Even if I'm really drunk, probably, yeah, and you try and stick something up my ass and I'm on the floor. Not going to happen. I'm going to scoot about 15 feet across the floor in like a tenth of a second. Well, what I wonder is I wonder if like this happens, you know, commonly like i wonder if it's like uh oh he's gonna get it tonight so this is just a story you know, of a common practice that was taken too far yeah but i wouldn't want to get drunk with this guy if, if no. he's knowing if he has a reputation for shoving pool cues sodomizing men with pool cues yeah i'm not gonna drink with him no no i wouldn't maybe you could hang out with that guy who shoved the uh lawn uh the patio umbrella up oh yeah the patio umbrella because i was... remember wondering about uh who who was friends with that guy at the time also yeah i i don't know but uh but apparently the guy thought it was a big joke until he found out what happened so in crippling pain the guy went home removed the cue from his rectum unable to tolerate the agony any longer four days later he went to the hospital and underwent immediate surgery for a perforated colon. Yeah, get, I mean, bloody stools, didn't that cue him in that he might have to go get that checked out? His body waste had been emptying into his body cavity, which could have killed him. The nice. injured man was discharged from the hospital three weeks later, Discharge. but had to return later to uh, have a colostomy bag put in. Ah, oh, so boy. Happy birthday. Here's and, a colostomy bag. <laughs> in light of a colostomy bag being put... So, so now this guy's never going to be able to defecate normally in light is of that, that how it goes once you have a colostomy bag you have the colostomy bag forever i, I was wondering that dude the, the guy has a perforated colon i don't yeah, think but he's gonna heal, heal from that i guess that's my question or do they can they stitch it up at a later date you know i have no idea but i mean if a pool cue was shoved that far it's got to do some damage yeah I, well it did some damage that's clear so, so one thing i can say with certainty here is that i don't think i'd be friends with this guy any longer i, I think <laughs> the that'd the be the end bag or the other guy <laughs> No, I mean, I, I would be that would be the end of the friendship. If you had a colostomy bag. Yeah, because if you shoved a pool cue up my ass and I had to get a colostomy bag, I wouldn't hang out with you anymore. Yeah, but if you don't hang out with him, you're never going to get him back. <laughs> what revenge would you do to get him back? Uh, Squirt your colostomy bag all over his shirt. <laughs> Just walk up to him and whip him in the face with a colostomy bag? Yeah, and then, then I wouldn't be friends but it's once, got, I, once I got my revenge. But if you think about it, this guy... The, the guy who actually shoved the pool cue in his ass, Triffitt, it's got to be an asshole. 
And you know, I guarantee that if this dude goes to the bar six months later and sees that his buddy, he's going to walk up to him and be like, how's this shit bag? You know? How's the shit bag, mate? I think he has... Crikey! Homo- I also think he has homosexual tendencies, which would also bother me. Yeah, I think that would scare not me. Not that I have any... That would scare uh, me. Not that I have a problem with gay people, but... A gay person who shoves a pool cue up my ass. This I guy has like homosexual rapist yeah. issues. Yeah, I'm not yeah. into that. I, I don't think I'd be able to hang out with this guy either. So on the uh, sick and wrong star scale, I'm going to have to give this four stars. This guy's got to live with a perforated colon the rest of his life. Colossomy bag. He had a pool cue. Not only sodomized with a pool cue, it was broken off in his asshole. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything Just worse. Just tip? Lateral force. Doing the cabbage patch. I don't know. I'm giving it four. Yeah, I'll give it four. I'm surprised nobody stopped this before it got this far. You know, I don't know how it is in Australia, but they definitely know how to party. <laughs> I think we say, we say that every time there's an uh, Australian... Dude, time it's because Aust- Fosters are huge beers. Yeah, no, every time there's an Australian story, it just reinforces that opinion, that they know how to party. Yeah, I, you know, I have no idea. Well, anyway, we invite the listening audience to uh, vote on these articles. You can decide who has the most sickest and wrongest story for episode 81, sickandwrongpodcast.com. Why don't you check out the new Sick and Wrong forum, sickandwrongpodcast.com. Well, actually, uh, we're nearing the end of the show, and as usual, we tend to get to listener email. We have a couple um, emails I want to get to, and uh, yeah, so the first one here is from Libby, which I found kind of humorous. Mm. I I love when people email us and ask us for advice. Like, we're some kind of sage, you know, like we're sages, so we can offer our sage advice. Yeah, I question those people's support network, that they come to us for advice before, you know, other people that they know. But at the same time, I encourage it, especially if you have questions... About sexuality. So uh, Libby did not write a uh, sexually story here. But she says, um, hey, I'm from Washington, Winthrop, Washington, and I'm going to be down near San Francisco in August. And I was wondering what you guys would recommend me doing. That's error number one. (laughs) You don't ask us for advice on what to do in San Francisco. No. She says, you probably won't have anything good for me. That's good reasoning. Because technically speaking, I'm not legal yet. I can't drink or actually even get into a bar. Plus, I won't have a car and will be with my younger sister, which is too bad because that means I can't even poke around some of the really shitty places. (laughs) Well, if you can think of anything that doesn't involve bars, strip clubs, or too much debauchery, let me know. Thanks, and I love the show. So can we think of something for a 19-year-old girl and her 13-year-old sister to do in San Francisco? You know, I, I'm fresh out. I can't even no. think of one thing to do if you can't drink in this city. <laughs> I mean, other than go to, like, a museum or Fisherman's what Wharf. What museum, though? Yeah, I wouldn't even know. <laughs> Have you ever been to a museum here? The only thing I can recommend to this girl, other than, like, sitting in her hotel room and watching TV, would be maybe uh, go walk down to the Tenderloin and pay crackheads to catch pigeons. Uh, you don't even have to go to the Tenderloin. There's, there's yeah, crackheads do that plenty all, Square. all over yeah. town. No, but I mean, that's actually a good pastime. It's like you'll be like, I'll give you five bucks if you can catch that pigeon. And they'll try. They really will. Yeah. Do you so, usually pay them if they catch it? Yeah. If they walk back to you with the pigeon in their hands, I'd give them five what's, bucks. What's the rule? What are the what are the parameters of this offer of employment? They have to bring the pigeon back to they you? They have to physically hold the pigeon in their hands. Walk up to you and be like, I caught it. Okay. 
And if they do that, that's worth five bucks. And to then me. you give them the five bucks. But try not to touch their hand when you yeah, hand them the definitely. five dollars. Make them pick it off, you know, from the bill. Libby, one thing I can advise you not to do is use any of the public toilets in San Francisco. Yeah, we've talked to that about that before, but I extensively. It bears it bears restating. Yeah, you you definitely don't want to use those. If you need to take a crap, and you're down at Union Square and you're feeding, you're paying the crackheads to do stuff for you. Go to a hotel or something and pretend like you're staying there. That's my advice. Yeah. I, d- I definitely would not use the public restrooms. Other than that, besides maybe going shopping, yeah, I have no idea. What what do well, preteens do? I mean, you can go to Alcatraz and you can go to... That's all I got. But, but you know, dude, I've never been to Alcatraz. I don't do any of those things. I pretty much... My whole life consists of drinking in bars, maybe going to the occasional strip club every now and then, and seeing a show. You know, I guess if you like punk rock shows, Bottom of the Hill is a venue here that has all ages shows. Yeah, Slim's is all ages too. Yeah, right? Slim's has all ages, so you can there maybe you do that. There's two things you could yeah. do. But I, I would recommend just pay crackheads to catch pigeons. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more fun than going to And then to go shows. back and drink from the mini bar. Yeah. Watch, I would, watch Skinamax. I would probably do that. Yeah. We got a couple funny emails here from people commenting on the new scale, the new rating scale. I didn't know this would cause such consternation. I, d- I didn't know it was going to cause such a disruption. Apparently, it pissed off a lot of people. So Aubrey writes in, Hey, guys, I agree that the number system is completely arbitrary, as if the star scale isn't. Right. And I think that the new scale is a huge improvement. I know Wackerly seems a little opposed to calling it the sick and wrong star scale, and I propose a solution. Make it the sick and wrong brown star scale. It's mildly sick and wrong and seems a totally natural title. Plus, we already have a mascot, you know, the brown star that we had on the website. Yeah, it's still there somewhere. I'd love to hear a story that got five brown stars. It would really make my day. Just a suggestion, Aubrey. You know what? I'm going to take that suggestion to heart. It's now the sick and wrong brown star scale. It's kind of a mouthful, but okay. I know, it's getting longer. We could just... Shorten it to the BS scale. But I, I like the brown. Yeah, okay. Maybe we should say the BS scale. The BS scale. The brown star scale. But people are going to think it's like the bullshit scale. Well. Yeah. I don't know. They can think whatever they like. <laughs> so uh, we got another email here from uh, John who says, don't change the scale, you douchebags. He spells scale with a K. He says, why change something great to something stupid? If you only grade it from one to five, every story will either be a three or a four. Changing the scale is like changing a host. <laughs> Signed, John. So That guy needs to cut down on the caffeinated beverages. What, what kind of cracks me up about this, though, is the old sick and wrong scale, 1 to 10, was completely arbitrary. And every story was either a 9 or an 8 or a 9. Right. But you it know? had the points, so, you know, there was more gradation. But you're right. It was all basically this always between an 8.5 and a 9.5. And it doesn't really matter what we rate the stories because it's the audience that ultimately votes. That's correct. So I think they're both arbitrary, but I think the sick and wrong brown star scale sounds better. And plus it's just easier. <laughs> it's easier to be arbitrary with the, the five brown stars. I totally agree. So, uh, John, I hope you can deal with it. I really do. Well, finally here to uh, end the show with the Sick and Wrong Song of the Week uh, was sent in by one of my favorite fans here, Edmund, 
who's uh, sent us so many good things in the past. Yeah, he actually frightens me. Yeah, I think this guy definitely has the, the makings of a serial killer. <laughs> he he gets sen- five brown stars. He gets five brown stars in my book. He sent in a song about Richard Ramirez called Night Stalker by a band called The Super Heroines. So we'll have to end the show with that. Mm. Um, stay tuned next week. We're going to be back with episode 82. And I don't know if you noticed, Wackerly, we got to 25 on the Podcast Alley scale. Wow, pretty nice. Yeah, out of all the podcasts, we got to number 25. Well, now that we have Bob as a uh, reg- probably going to be a regular guest, I think we're just going to shoot right, shoot up, right up to like 10. I was a little worried that he wouldn't want to talk about his drug experiences on the phone, but apparently Bob has no problems with that. No, Bob loves to speak openly about his drug use. <laughs> what are they going to do to him? Yeah. Well, anyway, the voting is reset for the month of August on uh, Podcast Alley. So go, just go to our website, click on Podcast Alley icon, give us a vote, and uh, it'd be great if we get in the top ten. Yeah. It gives us a goal. At this point, you might objective. as well wait. You know, don't, if you're listening to this on Monday, you should probably wait till August. You don't wait well, yeah, till wait till Wednesday and give us month. a vote. Yeah, you should do that. Well, until next week, we'll be back with uh, episode 82. Take it sleazy. Bye, man.